0: martial arts career.
1: Hey, everybody, you are listening to the We Are Ryzen podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. I'm joined again by a returning guest. With us, we have Damian Beatdown Brown, uh, fresh off his win from Ryzen 15. He defeated Koji Takeda by unanimous decision in a lightweight bout. And uh, Mr. Brown, thank you very much again for willing to talk to us once again. Uh, so, first i got to ask, uh, how, is it, how do you feel after, uh, uh, once again, getting another win at Ryzen?
0: I feel awesome, man. Uh, well, to start with, physically, I feel amazing. Uh, you know, a few bruises in that that I, that I got, but besides that, I, I feel awesome. Uh, and uh, as far as getting my second win in Ryzen, I, I feel really good. Uh, you know, I, I signed a two-fight deal, and I won both fights, so... Like, um, relationship with Ryzen just getting started.
1: Well, I also gotta ask, how do your eyes feel? Because I think there had to be at least two or three eye pokes during that fight. Three
0: eye pokes and one was a punch. Oh. Oh, it went straight in my eye anyway. But, um, uh, it feels alright. Like, I had a cut, maybe from a fingernail or something like that. Like, a, from an eye poke. I had a cut just under my eye. Uh, but besides that, I, I feel pretty good. It was just frustrating.
1: Okay, well, uh, one of the things I want to do is a- analyze the fight with you. Um, I got the fight right up on my television, and uh, for anybody who wants to watch the fight again, it's available on Fight TV. Uh, and one thing I got to ask is, uh, when you came across your opponent, well, actually, during the weigh-ins, I was astounded by how tanned your opponent was. Were you just surprised by how how brown he was? How brown? He looked like a cooked turkey. Uh,
0: I, no- <laughs> I noticed that... Uh... And I looked him up, and he normally bleached Blondie's hair, which I think makes it look like 10 times as bad. But, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? I don't know whether he's got an actual tan or whether he's just. I don't know, it looked like a fake tan, didn't it? But uh, maybe it's just an all tan, who knows?
1: Mm hmm, mm um, So, uh, I just want to talk about the first round. So, the first round, um, were you. Was the the strategy well? Basically, when you came to this fight, was the strategy to be, I mean, obviously not to be taken down, but was that something you specifically trained for? Was not to be to be on your guard for any takedowns uh, during the entire fight?
0: No, my whole my whole strategy was to um, we worked everything off leading with the right. So he's a southpaw. So mm-hmm. um, just the way that he wrestles, uh, he always shoots with his head to the left. So right punches, uh, right straights, right uppercuts, and right knees. Mm. Um, so that's why I always dip to the right through the right hand or um, fake the knee through the right hand or through the right knee. Like he shot onto a knee a couple of times. Uh, it was a jumping knee and a flying knee and that in there. So everything was like on the right-hand side uh, with a check left hook if he went the other way. So he goes, he, he double jabs and he goes to the left-hand side. Uh, so we had that check left hook there. But, um, yeah, he, he kind of got I clipped in a couple times with that and then he just sort of started going straight again. So everything was just about, like, our plan was to knock him out. You know, we thought we could knock him out or submit him. I, I didn't believe that his jiu-jitsu was better than mine, and I definitely didn't believe that his striking was better than mine.
1: Uh, one uh, of oh, Sorry, go ahead.
0: You're right. I felt like I I felt like I had better wrestling as well going into it, but, you know, when someone's advertised as a wrestler, you kind of got to give it credit. So I give it, you know, credit where credit's due, and uh, I was cautious of the wrestling, but I don't think, like, you know, he, he's no Division one all-American wrestler or anything I need to worry
1: about so yeah it was um everything went to plan. Mm. Well one of the things that I've noticed that he did throughout all three rounds is that he kept his hands down a lot. Nowhere near his, his head or his chin. And uh and it, it just right happened in the first round. You got that that uh that right I think it was a right on him. Um where he uh and it just it, he seemed to not he seemed to underestimate your power, or was at least not taking it seriously. Was that uh, was that something that you were kind of, I guess, surprised about, that he was just keeping his hands down a, for a, much of this fight?
0: Not really. I mean, the thing is, man, I'm 34 years old. The kid was 22. Uh, you know, I, I went into the fight knowing everyone's, everyone's dangerous, but with age and fight experience on my side... Um, one of the key factors when you're in that position is to overwhelm your opponent. Like they're always going to be nervous at some point in the back of his mind, unless he's a straight killer, he's going to be thinking to himself, this guy's had four times the fights I have. And, uh, you know, he's, he's 12 years older than me. So it's, it's like a boy fighting a man. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they're weaker or not as strong or not better or anything like that. It just means like he's young, he's young in the mind. Um, you, you need to you need to play to that. And I uh, felt like going into the fight, we could put enough pressure on him to make him make bad decisions. And the thing with keeping your hands down is he's a wrestler. You know, like wrestlers don't always keep their hands up real high. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's a style thing. If, if they want the takedown, their hands are going to be around the bottom of their chin or the high chest. Mm. So um, they, they tend to bomb a lot of overhand rights, or in his case, overhand lefts. They don't throw him straight down the pipe. They throw him big and explosive so they can follow up with the takedown. Mm. So I wasn't surprised by where his hands were. Um, I was surprised by him overreaching his reactions. So like the Superman punch in the third round, I just faked the knee. I didn't even throw it. And uh, he's re- he overreacted with the hands and reached. And that's what gave me the punch.
1: Oh, we'll definitely talk about that. Now in the first round, it's <laughs> about, th- about 30 seconds left in. And you put your... Well, he's kind of just... Just jumping around the ring, you put your hands up in the air. Like, what are you doing, man? Is that was that what you were kind of signaling to him? Like, are you going to engage me in this fight or anything like that?
0: Uh look, man. <laughs> I, to be honest, I just felt like so the the, the way the it's a bit weird, right? Like, my, my teammates give me a bit of, a bit of cheat for it sometimes. But the louder the crowd is, the more I get dragged into a ball. Hmm. So like, if the crowd goes nuts on a right hand, I'll like put my hands up like, yeah, let's go. And they get a bit dragged into the emotion, a little bit like Cody Garbrandt, I guess. You get dragged into it, man. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, and you become an entertainer. And you forget your game plan. Well, the thing in the thing in Japan is the fans are like silent, man. You hear a pin drop in that stadium. There's like twenty thousand people there, thirty thousand people, ten thousand people, and getting, it doesn't matter how many are there. It's dead silent. So um, it's like sparring in an empty gym, and. Um, from a noise point of view, so I put my hands up a little bit to get myself into it, you know, like, i got to feel like myself in there, so I put my hands up and sort of like to pull him on and just be like, yeah, let's go, and it's more like a mind thing for myself, you know, I just mentally get myself into it, like, I felt like, I really did feel like we were sparring out there, Um, and it's an interesting thing, because, you know, I I felt aggressive and I felt like I was looking for the finish, but maybe just that the... a different environment um, made it a bit, I don't know, a bit mm. different. So I just had to get myself pumped up a bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was on the back foot the whole time. He wasn't really coming forward. And I, I am like a bit of a counter-striker, so, um, you know, I, I'm definitely offensive, but I, I counter-strike a lot, and I felt like I was chasing him the whole time and we could have put on a bit more of a show for the fans.
1: Mm-hmm. Now in the second round, he immediately got a takedown. You and you go. You almost almost had that guillotine, uh, reminiscent of the uh, Darren Cookshank fight. Did you just not have it in properly, or was he just was he too fast for just to get it in uh, a proper lock in?
0: No, I had the chin in properly, but he did a good job of uh, moving his legs to the opposite side of the choke. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle of the... like as I put it on. He did a great job of moving his legs to the opposite side of the choke and flaring me out and um, hitting the deck. But then I squared up again. Um, and that's when he sort of cut the angle and tried to take me through the ropes. But, yeah, nah, it, it was on around the neck. It was uh, He did a real good job with his body and putting his body in a good position and not get submitted.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about, uh, so it's the middle of the second round, uh, about two minutes, 30 seconds in. He seems to be getting very, very. I don't want. I'm trying to think of the word, but I don't know if he's getting tired or if he's getting hesitant as as the rounds are going on. Did you get that sense that he was getting tired or that he was just getting hesitant to just engage as as the rounds went rounds went
0: on? Man, those right hands I was hitting him with were hard, like real hard. The kid's tough, like he hung in there, but man. I would be very surprised if the right hands weren't making him hesitant. Like, he was, you know, um, I throw a lot of single shots in my fights, but I was throwing four and five punch combos and, like, they were all landing. Like, I really was piecing him up every time we got into an exchange. He'd throw one or two and I'd throw five and they'd all land. So I think when that happens to you and someone's out striking you and they put pressure on you going forward, you've got to be hesitant to strike with them. Um, Then he couldn't get the takedown because I defended a couple of them. You know, even the first one he got, I defended it because I dropped the elbow into the trap. I defended it, then I went for the choke, which is why he got it. But, yeah, he tried a couple more times after that. He just couldn't put the timing together to get the takedown. So, you know, I guess he was hesitant, but he was also stuck in this position where it's like, I can strike with this guy, but he's beaten me. I can't go forward because I'm on the back foot. And I can't get him down, so what do I do next? I'm 22 years old, and I can't adjust to what's going on because I've only had eight fights. And, you know, that's not, that's not an insult or anything. It's, it's just a simple fact of the matter is he just is inexperienced and he couldn't adapt to it.
1: Um, yeah, he'll,
0: he'll learn from that, man, and he'll get better from it. He'll adapt going forward.
1: Yeah, I have in this, uh, right now uh, where he's trying to do a judo trip to you, but you are defending it very well. Uh, where, he, where he has your back and he's just—he's trying to sweep your leg, but you—you're just, yeah, you're just basically dead weight on him. You can't, he can't—he cannot move you at all.
0: Nah, look, man. Like people think, oh, he's from Australia, he's got no wrestling and stuff. Like I train with phenomenal athletes. Like, um, you know, I train with a guy out here in Australia, Aaron Bucky, He's represented Australia in judo everywhere in the world, and he's been in Japan heaps of times doing judo. Like. It's not like it's not like I don't have I don't have the training partners to help me in those positions. Sure, we don't have like that Division One All American Wrestling. We don't have. I haven't done judo in my whole life, but I train with a lot of guys who are high level in their areas, and I am never unprepared for a fight. I can take the fight to anyone. I can defend whatever I need to. Um, and I, I didn't feel like after that first time, I felt like he only got me down because I went for the choke. And so, uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, when I stopped going for the chokes, he was going to
1: get me down again. So, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt good, man. I felt strong. Now, we got to talk about the third round, where uh, that Superman punch. He, he just fell right in. I, I would almost say it was like a gift. Uh, that he just that he gave you just coming right in. What were you surprised that he almost kind of just jumped like so wildly into you to and open himself to that Superman punch?
0: No, not really. If you have a look just before it, I actually um, I actually put my hands down right on the end of these punches when I found my range. So I was right on the end of these punches. I put my hands down and I drew him in. And as I drew him in, I faked the knee and dropped the right hand, and so it was all set up. The whole thing was set up. Uh, I'd been doing it the whole fight, so yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not um, surprised that he walked into it. I drew. I drew him into it.
1: Now with that, uh, you had him rocked, and I, it, you definitely did try to finish him, but you weren't able to. Was there something? Uh, was Was the? Can you just talk about that? How How come you didn't? We were not able. Hey, guys,
0: hey guys, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna order coffee in the middle of the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I get a medium long black with some cream in it, please? And I'll uh, get a small flat white. There we go. We can keep going now. Oh, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, okay. Just ordering coffee. Ever.
1: Okay. So I just want to talk about right after you got the Superman punch on him and you had him rocked. He was he was. De- definitely walking back and you were trying to finish him but unfortunately you just weren't able to um, was there something that just happened during that exchange that you weren't able to finish him or were you st- walking no, out-
0: like, no 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 so like uh, so I I hit him with it and I was touching with shots and his legs went I knew he was hurt Um, I, I guess like I rushed up a couple of times and he threw those push kicks which probably just kept just gave himself enough distance but he did a good job of cutting some angles. And, uh, and what really happened was I looked up the clock and realized there was a minute 57 to go. And it's a long time to gas yourself out if you can't finish it, dude. So, you know, I chased him down for 15, 20 seconds and he didn't go away. So I needed to pull it back a bit, start picking my shots again. And I knew if he was hurt, that I would piece him up. Like, I'd keep picking my shots and picking him apart. But I also knew that if the opportunity came again, I'd put him away. But it just didn't come, man. Like, I, I, I know that I can kill that... I can kill any wrestler with my guillotine. People will shoot into it all day, so I knew that if he kept if he kept trying to shoot, at some point I would finish him with that choke. But um, I just kept touching him with that right hand, going forward, causing damage. He was bleeding. The rising uh, the rising scoring system is fifty percent scoring is damage, thirty percent thirty percent of it is uh, um, control and aggression and trying to finish the fight. And the other 20% is like work rate and volume and stuff like that. So I knew that I was winning, man. I was going forward. I was trying to finish the fight. I had the closer moments and causing more damage. He was bleeding. I wasn't. I didn't need to do anything crazy and get caught or get taken down with like a minute and a half to go and held. And not only that, I find an undefeated Japanese guy in Japan. But I don't, I don't need to be taken down for a minute and spend a minute on my back before the judges make a decision on who won the fight. Mm. Um, so, I just think, um, while I was being aggressive and trying to impress the fans over there and trying to, you know, fight the way they want me to and and entertain, I also knew that what was on the line. You know, I'm on the last fight of my contract in Japan against an undefeated guy. I need to win this fight. So um, I didn't try and be, you know, too safe. I tried to finish the fight, but but there was a lot on the line going into that fight.
1: Mm-hmm. and like i i i said i think you fought a very smart fight just so happens that the also that the guy you were fighting was not seen the it was like it was one guy who was fighting another guy another guy what didn't realize it was a fight i felt like
0: yeah um yeah, that's how
1: I felt too. and uh but uh you did come away with a win uh and uh I gotta ask. uh, So, what is the uh, future with Ryzen now? Did they offer you any more fights, or or is there anything that you can talk about regarding? They've
0: expressed they've expressed interest in um, extending my contract and uh, re-signing me. They did that straight away, and that's my intention is to re-sign with them. I know they do crossover fights with Bellator. I have no intention of fighting in my own country. It doesn't doesn't interest me. you know, I like Japan, I like the way I'm treated, I like the way the promotion treats me, and I get the opponents that I feel like I'm wanted, you know, Cookshank was a massive fight, Will Brooks has called me up, I mean, that'd be a cool fight as well, he's like a better version of what I just fought, so, he's been the Bellator champ, he's beaten Michael Chandler twice, I feel like that fight's a high profile fight that can headline or co-headline a, a rising card, so it'd be nice to re-sign and put that one on the line. I think a victory there sets me up for a cross-promotion fight with Bellator. I think, uh, you know, I see I see lots of things in my future if I re-sign with Robin. And um, I think at the point where I'm at in my career, it would be nice to do that. So um, that's what we're working on at the moment.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about the Will Brooks uh, fight, but yeah, you you're already brought it up. But also, uh, there's uh, another... It's
0: just a mutual respect, man. He called me out. I said, uh, who wants to see
1: Hey there, Damien, can you hear me? Hey. Hey there, sorry. Hey, you, 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 you It went dead on your end. Oh, uh, did it? Yeah. I just looked at my phone and it was gone. Uh, yeah, so like uh, the Will Brooks fight, I think, it's a, I think it's a really cool fight to
0: get. and I think that it sets up a lot in the future. So um, we're working on it right now, man. We, we would like to be on Ryzen 16. I'm happy to do it to catch weight. it's only four weeks away. Um, I don't care what weight I fight at. We're both lightweights. So we both fought at lightweight for a long time, so you know if they want to they want to do it at 73, 74. I'll do that too. It doesn't worry me, man. Just a fight.
1: But I also like to ask about uh, Jason Knight. Any interest in fighting yeah. Jason Knight in the future?
0: Yeah, man. I wanted to fight him in the UFC again. There's been no track, like no real trash talk, just Jason Knight being Jason Knight, but you know there's been no like real trash talk or anything with Jason it's been it's been pretty good you know but he got released by the USC we had a bit of back and forth when I was in the USC was trying to fight him at 145. but since then um, he got cut uh, same as I did and then he reached out over Twitter and was like I want people who want to fight, they're high profile, um, you know, they're co-headliners, they're they're headliners and co-headliners of fight shows, they're the type of fights that people want to see, so um, that's what I want, you know, I I never wanted to come back and fight on the local show, I wanted high profile, violent, technical fights that entertained crowds, that had people talking, and if that meant that I won a few fights in a row and got back to the UFC, then so be it. If not, man, I love Japan, and I just want to keep fighting, so... Uh, if Jason Knight wants to get it, we'll dance.
1: Did you happen to see his bare-knuckle fight against Lobov? Uh, Woboff?
0: Oh, man, I've seen the highlights, and that was enough for me. <laughs> <This> is,
1: <laughs>
0: it was crazy, right? Like I almost—I uh, talked to bare-knuckle when I got released by the UFC, and it was a consideration I was training for it at one point, but um, it just never really eventuated, eventuated so... But um, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I'm doing now. I, I know where I'm at. Uh, so, yeah, like, Ben Oak was cool to watch,
1: but I don't think I need to do it. My hands are bad enough as it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, actually, with the, uh it looks like this Rising and Light Lake tournament will be happening, though. Is that something you still want to be a part of, though? We I know we talked about it well, before. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, of course I want to be a part of it, but I want to stay active, you know? Like, mm-hmm. 34, I turn 35 in, like, seven or eight months. Like, to me, it's like, sitting around waiting for a tournament is uh is not what i want to do i want to stay active and if that means i fight in uh start of june and i win or if i lose whatever if i'm not injured i'll do a tournament again straight away i don't care but i don't want to sit around and wait for a tournament like it hasn't been officially announced there hasn't been brackets announced uh, there hasn't even been official talk like no one said to me anything about it happening on a certain date. So. I can't sit around and wait for something that's not official. I just, I just want to fight. So uh, let's match them up, knock them down, and the results are what they're meant to be. Then I'll be, um, I'll be in the tournament anyway. But yeah, I just want to stay busy.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh And uh, so one of the things I also want to talk about with you, because the uh, the rising commentators did bring up uh, uh, your 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 work. At, with veterans, and one of the things that, that they they said is very interesting story about. I think it was an Australian veteran who apparently wait had to wait eight years to get his pension.
0: Yeah, so um, there's a lot of veterans that fight the system. Um, you know, like they get they get medically discharged, but then they get classified into different classifications as to what they're entitled to, and uh, and they always try and classify before you lower like unless it's a clear cut case, but if you're fighting for a higher classification, like the lowest cat classification gets no pension. You just get some medical assistance. So you get no pensionary, anything like that. And then the next one up, you get a little bit of pension, some medical assistance. And the next one up from that, you get like a full pension. That basically means you can't work. So there's, there's guys out there that can't work who are fighting the system for pensions. And, uh, and they're not getting up for a couple of years, two, three years. But yeah, I did, I did, uh, I do know of a case, not a very close friend of mine, but like, like, I know of a case that took eight years for him to get it approved, and when he got it approved, he got his pension. But, but the- okay. you know, it's it's not about whether or not you got it. It's about the eight years in between that it cost you, what it cost you to fight for that, what it cost you, you know. Like, my argument has been with them the whole time is, man. You, you want me to not work to be entitled to a pension, but if I don't work, I lose my mortgage, my car, my family, everything. So if there's veterans out here that lose everything and commit suicide, and they could have been supported better. But they just go in a downward spiral all the way to the bottom of the pit until they go and commit suicide because they they can't. Like, things should be pushed through. These guys have been on deployment. These guys have seen things that normal people aren't meant to see. You know what I mean? And uh, there's no support for them, so um, yeah, it's 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 disappointing. But um, my, you know, I don't I don't like do work, so to speak, for veterans. Although right now through my gym in Brisbane, I'm I'm attempting to, uh, you know. Create an environment in a community where I can support veterans, um, and also work with a couple of different organisations that support veterans and, and assist them in physical and uh, physical activity for mental health. But really, what I try to do is just create a platform. You know, use the platforms that I have, such as Rising and Time on the Microphone and interviews and that, just to raise awareness and let veterans know that there's light at the end of the on That just, you know, they need to keep fighting. We were built for this. You know we, we, we've got a government that builds us for war and uh, we're built to fight and there's there's no quitness, and that's that's not what that's not what you know soldiers do we don't quit we go down swinging so um you know I just want them to know that there's people out there that think think about them and they care um, so I just raise awareness for it and talk about it when I can and get the word out there about you know some of the stories and that and if the time ever comes where I can you know, have a charity and run different things, and that's what I will do. But um, yeah, right now I'm I'm just
1: not in that position. Is it, uh, I now I'm not familiar with what what how the Australian government runs in terms of what they do for veterans. I I only know what goes on in America. But is it is this something that's been problem? When you were uh when you were stationed uh, when you were a soldier or is this or is this something that's recent? The thing is, they just don't. They they spent a lot
0: of years just kind of denying that there was a problem. Like, oh no, we don't have we don't have a suicide problem. We don't have a mental health problem. Well, you know, you lost forty plus soldiers in a war, and now you've you've lost like three or four, or five hundred in suicide post war. So, you know, at some point you need to admit that you have a problem with suicide and mental health. And I think they denied it for so long that now they're chasing the eight ball trying to catch up, you know, because they denied there was a problem when there was. And now that they've finally accepted it and come out and said, you know what, we do have a mental health problem, now that they've accepted it, they're always going to chase the eight ball trying to catch up. So, yeah.
1: What other... I think
0: it's, uh, it'll get better over time.
1: Are there any organizations that you would recommend that, if, uh, whether they be international or just based in Australia, that do that you that you know for a fact do help veterans? That maybe someone that someone can donate to or volunteer for. Are there any organizations that you can recommend of? Um, mates for
0: mates in Australia are pretty good. Um, I'm not sure about international, but. In Australia, you got mates and mates. Um, soldier on. There's a couple of good ones out here doing things for veterans. So, yeah, that's pretty good.
1: The one that I know of that I that I contribute to is the Wounded Warrior Project. I don't, uh, have you heard of them?
0: Yes, I have
1: heard of them. Yeah, they do a lot of good stuff uh, in my in my eyes for uh, for veterans uh, of all kinds. Uh, specifically, also disabled or. Um, um i'm trying to think of what's the term um if you if you've lost a limb or uh uh were you you, yeah stuff like that stuff like that i've always they're they are my go-to for the uh when it comes to helping uh veterans uh in the united states gotcha um i
0: have heard of them but yeah out here we've got a couple of different ones that do different things and they're pretty good so mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of them that don't but um There's a couple of good ones, but uh, yeah, I just raise awareness and just do my thing, and hopefully in the future I can run some charity events and stuff, but you know, it's really just showing support for veterans and showing them themselves that, you know, I'm out here thinking about them, because I'm one of them, and I know what they go through.
1: Uh, Speaking of your gym, uh, it's been open for about, has it been a month or so since it's been open? Six weeks, yeah. So how does it feel to be? Or one, uh, you know, this long, so far, uh, this long into, uh, running your own gym. Yeah, it's
0: good, man. I've got a real good team. I'm putting things together. We run stuff for public classes, not just fighters. So we got, we got, you know, beginners all the way through to fighters in the same group. We mix it up and, um, we're creating a real good community of people that can come in, you know, people that have had anxiety and, and they, they can't go to normal gyms because of the stigma and all that sort of stuff that comes with it and, Uncomfortable feelings, and so um, you know, we're trying to create that environment that makes it welcoming for everyone, and I think that we're doing that, and um, we've got good member numbers, and people are loving it, and i I'm, more importantly, I'm enjoying coaching as well, so um, you know, that's real nice.
1: Do you feel that there's a lot of gyms, uh, MMA gyms out there that that are, are not as welcoming as your gym, that that they do that they, it's kind of a uh... I guess, I'm trying to think of the word, like, it's a it's a very jock mentality, where, if some, yeah. it's not,
0: it's not that they're not welcoming, it's just that, it's exactly that, it's a jock mentality, it's like, you need to fit in with their system, and if you don't fit in, then you're made to feel like you don't fit in, I think that happens a lot, and that's just, a, it's an ego-driven environment, you know, gyms are full of alpha males, and that's, uh, that's just... I guess to a degree that's the way it is, but I'm trying I'm trying to break that with mine. That's I want the opposite, so um, yeah. Things things are happening now. It's- I'm really happy with it.
1: And uh you did mention also before that uh, veterans do get discount at your gym, is that still going on?
0: Yeah, so I give veterans twenty percent discount on all membership classes and um they get uh they get all their memberships put on hold if they're still serving and they've got to go away for work reasons for more than two weeks and we cancel their memberships if they ever get posted so they don't have to pay it out or anything like that so we do what we can to help them that's just that's not just veterans but that's uh all emergency services so police fire ambulance emergency services and correctional officers
1: oh, that's great that's great um so so right now what, what are your plans to do uh uh, in between now and uh, whenever your next fight is, are you gonna still be training? Or are you gonna take a vacation?
0: I, I, I train every day, but right now I'm just about to get in the car and go away with my family for the weekend. So I can't wait to do that and and really just have a weekend away from everything. And we've got a public holiday here on May, Monday, so we get a long weekend and uh, just go away and relax and spend some time. And when Rosin or anyone calls off and I got a fight, my manager lets me know then. That's what we're going to do. No.
1: We're going to fight. You certainly earned a vacation. Two wins in Ryzen, and rising. Uh, and definitely going to be looking forward to the next fight. I want to give you an opportunity to um, to plug your sponsors, your team, your gym, and every, anything else that you want to plug now, uh, Damien. Yeah, look, man. Um,
0: you know, everyone just get Base Training Center, at Base Training Center on Facebook and Instagram, a follow. That's my gym. And, uh, you know, if, follow me down 155 and i just want to thank my sponsors strange sports nutrition engage industries confidential tax and business services and uh fight life um you know those, those guys do a lot for me they really help me out with my fight camps and everything else and um also thanks to my gyms team compton training center the garage bros jiu-jitsu and obviously my own gym so you know a lot of, a lot of people help me out and i'm really appreciative of that and um I'm super happy since I saw my new management group as well, so Jim Man group have really helped me out. So, thank you, man. I appreciate it.
1: All uh, right, so we were talking to Damian Brown, fresh off his win at Ryzen 15 against Koji Takeda. And uh, Damian, we definitely would love to talk to you when you get your next fight in Ryzen, whether that be at Ryzen 16 or whenever it is, but we'll be definitely talking again soon. I hope we can.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you for that.
1: No problem, no problem. You have a great day now, and enjoy that vacation. I will, man. Thank you. Bye. Take care.